Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. I'm your host, Darren Fatman McDuffie, and today we have a special show. It's actually a recorded show. I don't do too many recorded shows. I do the live shows, but this is a recorded show just because of the scheduling. And we have Jason and Mira Calton. They are actually return guests to the show. And I think the first interview we did with them, which Rich Food, Poor Food, back a couple of months ago, and they're back with a new book. But just in case you did not catch that show, I just wanted to read their bio before I have them on. The Caltons are among the world's leading experts on the topics of weight management, lifestyle medicine, and micronutrient deficiency. Their high success rate working with adults and children to achieve sustainable weight loss and reverse health and disease conditions has made their consultancy highly sought after by celebrities, athletes, and top corporate executives around the world. It is their belief that becoming micronutrient sufficient is the first step towards preventing and reversing many of today's most prevalent health conditions and diseases. And I'm so proud of myself for being able to read on the air. Welcome to the show, <laughs> Jason and Mira Callison. That was perfect, Aaron. <laughs> Great job. I know. I have this ambition to be a voiceover artist, and I haven't pursued it, but I think I want to pursue it after doing that bio. You're getting good. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show and welcome back. And I am wanted to congratulate you on your book. I got an advanced copy of it and I loved it. And uh, again, so glad that you can join me for this interview today. Oh, we're thrilled to be here. We're excited about the new book and we want to share it with everyone. Absolutely. Well, great, great. So let's get right into it because I don't have yeah. it for that much time. So I wanted to kind of get right into it and begin talking about the book. As I say, I, I loved it and it kind of re made me reflect on some things that I learned earlier in my health journey. But um, before we even get into anything, I know that the population out there, some people are just getting into nutrition and maybe uh, listen to the show. And then you have the old fogies like me, the veterans who may know a lot about nutrition. But explain to us what actually are micronutrients. So but I always love to start here because this is the beginning of the story. Food has two basic components. It has the macronutrients and the micronutrients. They're literally like two different teams in food. The macronutrients are the things that we typically talk about in nutrition. And you probably heard on your show and talked a lot about the carbs, the fats, and the proteins. Mm -hmm. And most of us manipulate these in every which way we possibly can or probably have over the last 10, 20, 30 years of dieting. Low carb, low fat, manipulation of those. But then there's the other side, the micronutrients. And this is what we really dig deep into with the Micronutrient Miracle 28-Day Plan. We want you to become sufficient in these micronutrients. These are the vitamins, the minerals, the essential fatty acids like the omega-3, and amino acids that your body must have in order to maintain optimal health. Well, good. And um, with these micronutrients, I noticed that the first thing that stood out to me on the title of the book, it says the micronutrient miracle and it says 28 days. They always advise us that it takes 30 days to make a habit. Why <laughs> 28 days for the micronutrient miracle? Well, I we always go with the 28-day program. We find that four weeks, everybody counts in a week. Nobody mm -hmm. really counts the days. They're like, oh, this is week one. It's week two. It's week three. So just make it four weeks. Let's all simplify this entire thing. And that way, everybody knows exactly what they're getting into. You can't say a month because they're different lengths. And, and basically, the 30 days just seem too, too long for us. <laughs> so we just opted for 28. Yeah. yeah. But remember, Darren, our program, while it starts you with 28 days, it really is, you know, this is the on-ramp to a true lifestyle yeah. program. Great. 
Great. And one of the things that grabbed me as well was when I first started reading the book, and I believe it's in the, the not even the first chapter, you talked about something called hidden hunger. And I remember watching a documentary, I think it was about three or four years ago, and one of the things that they explained, and this was something I didn't know and this I, when I started way back, was they ta- started talking about people who are obese and not necessarily the fact that they're eating too much food is the fact that they're eating food that's not filled with nutrients. But explain to us what that hidden hunger actually means. Sure. Well, there's two types of hunger. There's the one that everybody kind of knows about when your tummy grumbles and and you know that you haven't eaten in a while and, and so then you go get something to eat. That's the obvious hunger. The hidden hunger is when your body needs micronutrients. It's hungry for micronutrients. And like you said, the obese are not out of this game simply because they're obese. They've actually done studies and found that They took obese people and they tested their micronutrient levels. And they took people who were emaciated, like, you know, you you normally think of malnutrient, malnutrient, uh, malnourished people as people like in third world country. And they took Mm -hmm. their micronutrient levels. And they found that the obese had the same micronutrient deficiency levels as the malnourished. And that's not because they're not getting enough calories. Like Jason said, that's one side of the food equation. They're getting plenty of calories, but they're not getting actual micronutrients. They're not getting that second half of the study that we actually focus on, those micronutrients. So yeah, it's those naked calories, which was the name of our first book. They're mm-hmm. getting plenty of foods that contain all the junk, but it doesn't deliver what food is supposed to deliver. Yeah. And um, with regards to that, how can someone, you mentioned in your book that you use a test. If someone comes into your office and they want to end up getting tested to find out what micronutrients they might be deficient in. What is the type of test that they, they can use for this, just in case that they can't work with you and want to go and work with another practitioner? Sure. So, you know, you can, you can, there's blood work tests that you can get from your doctor. Your doctor can take your blood and they can check and they can see your iron levels, your calcium levels, your B12 levels. And there's quite a few different ones that they can do as an in-office test. You can also go and there's a company called SpectraCell, which gives a wider variety of micronutrients and tests for a wider variety, um, which we really like. And it doesn't only just test the blood, although they use blood for the test, they also test uh, how the micronutrients are functioning in your body. So that's kind of an important piece. But for, for those people who don't want to draw blood or don't, don't want to have some of the, the more expensive tests, we've done a kind of a reverse engineer of that in the book. So we have lots of different uh, t- tests right in the book that you can take, and you just check the boxes as to what you're eating, what your lifestyles are like, even what medications you're taking. And then we're able to kind of, like I said, kind of reverse engineer that and look at what science has told us about what micronutrients are typically deficient in these scenarios. And we can kind of piece it together and give you a pretty good personalized micronutrient deficiency list. Yeah. And with all the diets that are out here right now, paleo, you have plant-based diets, you have the lemonade diet, you have all kinds of diets. Would it be fair to say that everyone is uh, deficient in these micronutrients? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things we did is, you know, when you eliminate any specific type of food, you're limiting what those foods are supposed to deliver. So there's micronutrients, say, for example, if you're paleo, there's micronutrients that are heavily in legumes and in your dairy. And if you're paleo, you're just not going to get those. And if you're vegan, there's things in meat products that you're just not going to get. So one of the first steps is just that awareness. Like, hi, this is my program, and I it's my responsibility to know what it's doing to my, to my diet, to my body, to my nutrient levels. So that's one of the areas that we start, and we tell you each type of diet, what the specific micronutrients are that you're likely deficient in, so that you can work forward to reverse those conditions. 
those uh, deficiencies so you can create optimal health. You know, Darren, this isn't a negative thing, and we're not putting down these diets. No. In the book, we're, we're going to show you what, you know, what science has shown as far as deficiencies for each particular diet. But believe me, when we started researching this years ago, over a decade ago, our main goal was to say, well, let, let, is there a diet that could be micronutrient sufficient? And quite frankly, we found that the, the paleo primal diets came the closest, but they're still 56% deficient in their micronutrients. So, you know, when you look at that, that's basically 50-50, and that's not good enough when we're talking about optimal health or even maintaining basic health. So all diets, including our own Micronutrient Miracle 28-Day Plan, if it didn't have that third, that third supplementation step, would be deficient. So we're really more of awareness than pointing fingers. Is there a diet that might be more deficient than other diets? Fred, you just mentioned the paleo diet as being one of the ones that probably was on the, the kind of, a, of the better side, but is it more of a one that might be more deficient in the market, like, uh, for instance, vegetarianism or... Well, they're very deficient in very specific micronutrients when you go vegan. Mm -hmm. You're very, very low in your B12. You're going to be low in any of your, you know, the fat-soluble vitamins that are usually found in the animal, and the animal, you know, meat and protein and dairy and stuff like that. Um, but it's, that's not to say that if you're gluten-free, I mean, gluten-free, we're gluten-free. We want you to be gluten-free. But gluten-free diets, even even just because it's doing something good, you're still going to be deficient in the things normally found in wheat. So it doesn't really matter, and that's what's different about our program. You can be on any diet you want. That's your philosophy. That is where your heart is, where your mind is, where your religion is. It's up to you. All we say is that most important thing is that you become a nutrivore or you recognize that being micronutrient sufficient is more important than your dietary protocol. So if you're vegan, we want you to get the best vegan foods you can get and supplement with the things that the vegan diet isn't going to give you. And if you're paleo, you, we want you to get the best foods that the paleo can have and then supplement with the things that your paleo diet isn't going to give you. Yeah. And the same for all the diets. We are not we do not make you change your diet just to go and follow the micronutrient miracle. Right. Darren, I know you've heard a lot of these different summits, and if you really look at the summits where they where they have a, a vegan on or a plant-based dieter on or a low-carb dieter or a paleo-primal, what their conversation always turns to whenever there's kind of a dispute as to whether or not that's the best diet to follow, it all comes down to, well, you're not getting enough of this micronutrient or that micronutrient, doesn't it? I mean, even their own you know, gurus in each of these areas that'll talk about, well, if I'm vegan, I know that there are certain micronutrients that I'm not able to get. So then we talk about supplementing those or any of these programs. So that's really what the unique thing is, is since that's, that's the thing we all have in common, all these, it also is the thing that can kind of unify us. If we can just get to the bottom, we just get over whether or not a person wants to eat plants or meat, who cares? Mm -hmm. It all comes down to let's become sufficient in our micronutrients and become the best we can in the dietary philosophy we choose. Yeah, I know. It's always this battle going on. The meat eaters versus the vegans, the vegans, the meat eaters, always the battle. And um, the only one that loses is all of us. We all lose because we can't decide to just unite and fight big pharma and fight big agri and, and do it all together. The yeah. only, you know, that's the problem. They want to keep us separated, and they're doing a good job of it. Hopefully, micronutrients can bring us together because ultimately that's really the only difference in any of these programs. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I don't care whether you're vegan or a meat eater doesn't matter to me doesn't right. matter at all um i'm old school i am <laughs> i'll be 45 in next month and <laughs> i'm right there with you not far behind well hey everybody's getting older um We're old school the the last thing that i heard of and before reading your book was rda that was the last acronym i've heard which was 
was is supposed to be a recommended daily allowance. And then I read your book and I get EAR, I get RDI, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm lost here. So explain to us about these requirements and the acronyms that go with them, um, EAR and RDI, and how do they affect us when it comes to micronutrients? Okay, so it's kind of tricky because there are a lot of letters and they're just these weird acronyms that the government puts out. So RDA is what you normally would see on your supplement facts. And that's recommended daily uh, amount that you're supposed to have in the mm -hmm. average day. Right. So the new RDI is kind of, it takes the place of the RDA. So what it does is the RDI is the amount yeah. of the re requirement of each micronutrients that will satisfy about 97 to 98% of the people in the United States. So they're trying to cover it. There's still a little bit of, you know, some people who are the outliers who it won't cover, but it's, it basically says if you get this much, you shouldn't have micronutrient deficiency health conditions. Now, the EAR, which is funny, it stands for Estimated Average Requirement, is a lot of times what they do when, they, when, you, when you hear news reports. And they say, well, you know, the, the population is, you know, I don't know, 20% deficient in this or 90% deficient in it. They usually use EAR. And most people don't even think twice about it. But here's the definition of no, EAR. They assume that when someone says that, that they're saying that that means that 97% of everyone is okay. Right. They, they, just, they assume they're the using is. RDI. They assume, they, they assume they're using the kind of the blanket, but they're not. They're using the amount of each micronutrient that would be expected to satisfy the requirements of just 50% of the people. That's the actual scientific uh, definition of EAR. So think about that. When, you know, when you're getting a lot of these statistics and they say, you know, we're 70% deficient, that's 70% of the amount that <laughs> satisfies 50% of the population. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's a lot to learn in nutrition with these acronyms. But, you know, we do try to spell it out. We talked a lot more about that in our first book, Naked Calories, but we touch on it in this yeah, book. Yeah, basically in this book we do say that when – if they actually looked at the amount needed to satisfy all of us rather than half of us – the amount would be far, far lower. We'd have much bigger deficiency um, deficiency reporting around the country. I mean, they're already, even even using this EAR sort of mentality, they're already saying 96% of us are deficient in specific micronutrients. Now, imagine if they started actually reporting what it would actually satisfy 100% of us or even 97% of us. These statistics would skyrocket. So even the ones that sound good, it's only affecting 70% of us, would actually be like, no, it's actually affecting 90% of us. Or if they actually said, oh, it's, it's, you're safe because it only affects 30% of us, it's probably closer to 60% of us it's actually affecting. So, mm -hmm. yeah, they use very weird reporting rates, which is um, – and yet the, the statistics are still absolutely scary. Yeah, with regards to our RDI and EAR and all these other acronyms that we're talking about, is there a difference in – in genetics when it comes to micronutrients because looking at myself I'm African American I'm obviously tall 6'7 and I weigh about 225 on a good day versus someone else who might be out there who's 5'7 weighs about 115 pounds or something and they might be female so are their micronutrients going to be different their micronutrient requirements going to be different from the ones that I have 
Well, yes. The, the short answer is yes, but it's a, a, probably a much more narrow spectrum than we might imagine. You know, the fact that you're African-American, that can affect your vitamin D levels. When it's not mm-hmm. t- typically, you know, even though we call it a vitamin, it's really a hormone, and obviously we can get that from the sun. So skin tone has an issue, but it's not just African-American. There's a lot of different cultures that have different skin tone and may have a harder time getting enough vitamin D. Your size is another issue, like you H. said. Age, uh, age is a big one. Older people have, a, you know, obviously have a lot harder time absorbing as the gut issues become more prevalent, um, especially B twelve. B12 and zinc being yeah. some of those. So, yes, um, you know, and obviously a child who's 70 pounds and a male adult who's 270 pounds are going to have much different levels. But overall, so we're, when we're looking at the amount that we're, we're talking about for supplementation, we're trying to give you the minimum amount that we that is, is kind of that everything's factored into. So we're going to give you the minimum amount you need to prevent. And then the rest of it you're going to get from, a, from a, a healthy diet. So obviously that 270-pound guy is going to eat a lot more food than that 70-pound child. And that food is supposed Host to carry with it those extra micronutrients that will balance things out. Yeah, yeah, sounds great. Um, with regards to um, the supplementation, this is some one of the things that I've heard, and I listen to a lot of different podcasts, not just my own, but <laughs> I listen to a lot of different <laughs> podcasts. And one of the things that the one of the themes that that kind of recurs is that you have people who come on and they say that you should be able to get all of your micronutrients or everything that you need from food. Where do you stand on that, on that issue? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I'll put it that way. Show us. (laughs) Yeah. I'd love to see that unless, and okay, we just did a podcast recently with, um, to female paleo people, I guess we could put that. I don't know if you want to say, anyway, they were saying that they actually prefer to get it that way. And then they try to get it in through heating their liver and all awful every single day, all day long, watching how everything's cooked. And that's fantastic. But even they had to say, it's not for everyone. Like in the real world, most people are not going to do that. And most people are not going to not cook it out, the nutrients out of the food. And most people have too much stress in their life. So even if they got all the nutrients that they were supposed to, the stress pulling the nutrients out of your body would then deplete you of micronutrients or the smog in your city or the fact that you're working out or any of these things. We have never seen anyone ever perform a study where they've actually been able to get everything through food. No, and in fact, I think we point out in the book several studies that actually went about trying to prove this, and they were they actually um, were the uh, the RDS. It was yeah. you know the the registered dietitian in that organization. They they put out a call to all the registered dietitians and said, "We want you to use, We want you to go and try to find a diet that is sufficient in the essential micronutrients within. I think it was twenty two hundred calories. And all they said is it had to be palatable. It didn't even have to be realistic <laughs> for most people. And they could not do it. It has never been done that I have ever seen. And we have looked at almost every single research that would would ever point to this. Um, you know, some of them can come close, but then you have to look at what they're actually eating. And many times it's also going to be very cost prohibitive. I mean, some of, of these things might cost, you know, 10, 20, I mean, $100 a day and all the, the, the different vegetables and fruits they want you to eat. They're not taking into account the anti-nutrients. They're just doing the addition part of the equation. So we've thought long and hard about it. We would love to get into that arena. We would love for that to be our message. This is the diet you can eat and get all your micronutrients. It just isn't possible in our opinion. If someone can show us differently, we'd be happy and open to it. Yeah, you mentioned in the book, um, just thinking about this right now, do you think we would have been able to do that maybe 70, 80 years ago to get everything from our food. Now now that the soil is so depleted, 
But do you think maybe years and years ago we could have gotten everything from our from our food? Absolutely. I think there's tribes in other parts of the world where we haven't ruined it yet, and they still are. A lot of it comes from the mineralization of the water, too. I mean, our water is not that natural water that's running through, you know, lava and and everything. It's just not mineralized the same way it used to be. Additionally, they're only feeding a small tribe, and we're trying to feed millions beyond millions of people over here and shipping things back and forth. They don't ship anything. So, yes, it would have been. It probably would have been a long, maybe maybe 70 years is not quite far back enough. Probably more like, you know, 400 years ago or <laughs> probably further back than, than we'd like to say. Probably our great-grandparents had a much better shop, but our great-great-parents, great-great-great-parents probably had a better one. Uh, it's been getting worse and worse as, as we get become more modernized. So, yeah, at some point it was possible. It's just not possible anymore. And, and there's a second part to it. Like Jason was saying, it's not the addition of just our food being okay. We have our food becoming less okay at the very same time as our lifestyles are becoming worse. We are so toxic these days from the environment to our products to the sprays on our food. And the only way for us to detoxify are by using up our, our uh, micronutrients. These are our natural bodies, natural detoxifiers. So it's a double-edged sword here. We're getting hit because our food isn't as good, any, as good anymore. So that's less micronutrients. And then we need them more and more because our lifestyles are becoming so toxic. And don't forget, I mean, this is the 21st century now, Darren. You understand that, I mean, now we don't even, it's not even trying to compare food with our ancestors because in this world, it's literally comparing apples to oranges. We are, we are inundated with food that didn't even exist this before 1996, GMOs. This is a big game changer when it comes to can we get nutrition from our food? What food? Are we even talking about food anymore? Is it really food when a, when a quote-unquote food like corn is now classified as a pesticide or didn't even exist before 1996? So... I, you know, I, I, it's very hard. I want to. I want these people who who are starting to read about and really be, becoming That's aware of our like ancestors. <laughs> so I would love for them to be able, you know, come up with some way that we could help them to be able to just eat real food and become micronutrient sufficient. But at the end of the day, I know that's going to lead them down a path that's ultimately just going to be created micronutrient deficiency. And I don't want them to get a health condition or a disease 10 years down the line because I said that food was okay. I want, that's why we have our three-step program. Obviously, food is first and foremost and most important, but it's also lifestyle and it's also supplementation. We have to deal with the 21st century. Yeah, and speaking of supplementation, your book kind of, um, I guess this is something that's new you talked about when you're doing supplements, I believe uh, in the chapter you were talking about multivitamins, and you mentioned something called competition. And uh, I wanted to just ask you a question on that. What does that mean when it, when it <laughs> says competition when you are uh, using supplementation? Well, we'll start with this analogy. You know how you've got friends that are like really great to hang out with separately, but when you invite them to the same party, it's like a big downer because they don't get along? Exactly. Okay, what's competition? <laughs> <laughs> that's micronutrient competition. That means that some vitamins are really great in studies when they're done on, the, on just that one micronutrient for whatever its benefit is. You get amazing results. But when they put them in the multivitamin and they throw them all together, one micronutrient blocks another micronutrient from absorption or it lowers its utilization. There's a lot of different ways that this can happen. But what ends up happening is that all those great benefits are no longer, are no longer exhibited. Yeah, and I think one of the things people listening have to realize is that no food combines all the micronutrients together like a multivitamin pill combines all the micronutrients together into one form. So there's no wonder that there's competition that takes place here. Food has an innate wisdom 
And food, because it doesn't include all of these, tends to put uh, synergistic micronutrients together that will help with the absorption. Sometimes certain foods use this competition to protect you uh, from from um, toxicity with mm-hmm. different micronutrients. A cod liver oil is a great example of this. It has really high levels of vitamin A, which could potentially be toxic, but because it's paired with its its comp- competitor or antagonist, vitamin D, it. It, lots of times you, you can take that cod liver oil and not get these toxic effects. So nature has used these competitions to protect us. Multivitamins haven't thought about these competitions. And so what, what happens is, like Mira said, all the research shows amazing results for individual micronutrients or small groupings. But when we put them together, just throw them together in a pill, they, they don't perform very well. And remember, multivitamins were only invented 80 years ago. And it really was just kind of a soup of micronutrients. Literally. S- supplemental <laughs> science today, we know which micronutrients compete with one another. We know which ones are synergist. So let's use that cutting-edge information to create the supplements and multivitamins that will actually benefit us rather than just use the old, outdated you know, idea of throwing them all together, cross your fingers, you know, you know, close your eyes, and hope for the best. Yeah, and... Should we all be on a multivitamin and give us some guidelines? Obviously, I know that you have yours, which I've, yeah. you know, I've tried that one. It's, it's great. But for the person who's going out there, who's going into Walmart, who might be going into CVS or any other drugstore, what are some guidelines that you can give them to choose a, a good multivitamin? If they well, can go into Walmart or CVS and get a good multivitamin. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we call it the ABCs of Optimal Supplementation Guidelines. So the A, B, C, and S all stand for problems or flaws, major flaws that we found with most multivitamins. So A is absorption. Problem is that most multivitamins don't absorb. And it all starts with disintegration. They did a study and they actually tested which ones would be able to disintegrate in the right amount of time that it would take you normally to to digest it. They found that over 50% of the multivitamins that they tested, and these were popular brands, did not disintegrate. So FYI, GNC Mega Man on that list. Mm-hmm. Costco's own brand. Yeah, on, Kirkland. Kirkland's on that list. Yeah. So we do name them in the book. So you want to find something, because, and preferably that is encoded and waxed and in a hard capsule or pressed pill like that. They found that liquids and powders will uh, are much more absorbable, much more better utilized in the body. So we always say that in the A, we want you to learn that powders and liquids are far more absorbable. But you got to watch out because most of them are loaded with sugar. And sugar actually blocks a few micronutrients from absorption, so you don't want the ones that are loaded with sugar or artificial colors or any of that junk. Yeah, and again, we have these checklists in the book. Our goal isn't just to say to you, and and you know this, Darren, isn't just to say, hey, just go buy nutrients. We want you to find the best supplement. Uh, Obviously, we'd like you to try nutrients. We put a lot of time and effort into the formulation of this product, but it's much more important for us for you to have the knowledge as to how to pick another supplement if you don't want to. And that's what we do in the book. We give you the guidelines like what we're talking about here. The next one is beneficial quantities and forms. And again, we go over what forms of each of the micronutrients should you be looking for. Most people don't know the difference between cyanocobalamin and methocobalamin for B12, but we want you to know which form is better so that you can identify it on your multivitamin or your supplement. We want you to talk about what's the difference between um, synthetic or natural vitamin E 
And how do I identify it on, on there? So we're going to talk to you about how to identify the name and be able to know kind of when you're looking at the ingredient list, whether it's synthetic or it's natural. We also want to identify, we want to tell you about that there's eight different families of vitamin E, which most people never tell you about, so you become aware. So we go over all this. We also talked about how much of each thing should be in your multivitamin. For instance, most multivitamins do not contain enough calcium. They contain almost no calcium, almost no magnesium, almost no choline, almost no lutein. You know, you know so they give you tons of the B vitamins, but they don't give you any of the, of the really expensive, heavier minerals. So, again, we want to go over this and make you aware so that you can make your best choice. Because even if it is like, you know, maybe a $19 vitamin rather than maybe a little bit more expensive one, what's the difference? What's, why, why would you want to take that if it doesn't disintegrate and doesn't have what you're even looking for in it? Yeah, I heard someone say sometimes the multivitamin that they're taking, you're just peeing them out. <laughs> and, and that's true most of the time. Yeah. Yep. So let's get back to nutrients. I have two big questions I want to ask you. One has to do with how, how uh, far our food actually travels. There's one particular store. You might know the store I'm talking about. I don't want to say I'm on the air, but every time I buy a fruit from there, the fruit just has no taste to it. And I find that if I go to a farmer's market and get my fruit from there, it has a lot better taste. Um, how does the amount of time or the I know that sometimes the fruit might be picked too early or the produce might be picked yeah. too early. How does that affect the nutrient level of our foods? Well, if you think about it, while it's still in the ground, before it gets picked is the time that it's actually becoming nutrient full. I mean, it is growing. So it's pulling it from the soil and becoming nutrient rich. If you pull it early, it obviously did not have the time to do that job to become a fully nutrient rich piece of piece of food. Additionally, every minute of every mile that your food travels to your table loses micronutrients because it comes into contact with light, heat, and air. And these things all depleted of micronutrients. The average piece of food is going over like 1,500 miles to your table. And almost everything at your kitchen table is actually from another country, if not another state, it's definitely another country. So it's, it's crazy how much your food is traveling these days. Yeah, and you know, you bring up a great point. People don't think, you know, we're pointing out all the different facts of how micronutrients affect your health, but also micronutrients affect the taste of a food too. So as you deplete those micronutrients and add sugar to the food, which even our atmosphere is doing now, I mean, you should see the research. A lot of plants, specific types of plants, are because of what's happening with our atmosphere, are we're increasing the carbohydrates in the sugar contents of the food and reducing the mineral contents of the food for, for a number of reasons. So we're getting this calorically rich, micronutrient-poor food that almost tastes like nothing. Yeah, and you mentioned also something in your book about uh, EMDs and the, I guess, the antagonists to nutrients. Can you talk about a little bit about those? Well, yeah, so these are anti-nutrients or they're that we, EMDs stand for our everyday micronutrient depleters. That's, that's kind of a little catchphrase that we create and we've used for all of our books. And what we want to do is point out places where, you know, in both food and in your lifestyle where you're losing micronutrients. So there's a lot of just natural things in food that will deplete you of your micronutrients if you don't know how to prepare your food right. And that's one of the things that we learned in our travels to over 135 countries for seven years, living with remote tribes around the world to observe how they prepared their foods to make them the most nutritious for their bodies. A lot of this was in the preparation. So things like oxalic acid in raw spinach, 
there's things that you can do like cooking the spinach that will reduce that or phytic acid in wheat or other you know nuts and seeds you want to sprout or ferment the food that proper preparation that our ancestors knew and that we sometimes skip again here in the 21st century will reduce a lot of those anti-nutrients and allow you to absorb or unlock a lot of the micronutrients in the food yeah, and I don't know if people even know about that, and you did a good job of explaining that in the book. Last question for you. I think I got maybe two more questions when you say <laughs> last question, but um, with regards to talking uh, a little bit about, um, let me see here, with the um, the nutrients and how they are actually uh, depleted in the body, um, how... Does that go? Does that go with regards to the um, way that the um, nutrients are depleted? How does that? Uh, I lost my train of thought, guys. Oh, no, 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 no worries. Hey, hey. You were too worried about the time there, Darren. We're not going anywhere. Yeah, we're here. Yeah, I, I I lost my train of thought here and forgot my question. Yeah. I actually lost my train of thought, and I have no. Hold on one second. Here. You know what? I, you know what? I actually wanted to ask you about the farm-raised salmon. The oh, um, yeah. yeah, because yeah. I see a lot of people going towards Costco and getting the farm-raised salmon against the wild salmon. And there was something that you were saying about the farm-raised salmon. Well, not you know, to eat it. Yeah, not to eat it. There's <laughs> yeah. so much. I, mean, I don't know when this happened. We have this statistic in the it's book. Eighty percent. Eighty percent of our, of the salmon that that is served here in America is farm raised. And, and we asked, you know, when we saw that statistic when we were writing the book, what just kept going through my mind was when did this happen? Like when did the the fish that we're ordering at our restaurants or buying at our grocery store go from being caught in the ocean, like I, I have to imagine the majority of us think when we buy this food, mm-hmm. to being raised in these lice-filled, you know, you know, pools. Overcrowded. Overcrowded pools where the, these carnivorous fish, these salmon, these carnivorous fish don't get a chance to swim. They don't get a chance. Their muscles don't get to grow. They're not being fed other fish. Yes, there's a fish meal, but fish meal is a funny word because there's fish in it along with genetically modified soy and corn. Obviously foods, and hopefully it's obvious, obviously foods that they would never have been able to eat under the water is yeah. corn and soy do not grow in and the then ocean. The, and they're, and they're genetically modified. sea lice and stuff, so they have to continually treat them with stuff so that they don't get sick. I mean, it's just, it's a cesspool. I they mean, even it's have just... to color this fish. They have to color it because right. it's not getting its natural color. It's literally, I don't know. I don't know what and, to and, say about it. And the it. thing is, if you're going to Costco for farm salmon, look at the bag next to it. It's wild caught. It's the same price. It's mm-hmm. really amazing how much has changed since we wrote Rich Poor Food. There are amazing organic wild-caught, pasture-raised, amazing things out there at Costco and these options at Costco and Target. I mean, Target's getting rid of all of the toxins in their cleaning supplies. That's huge. So there's some really amazing things going on, and it's, it's all happened since we wrote that book. We're so excited. So they just have to get a little awareness, yeah, a little yeah. awareness about what to look for in the labels. Just ask your waiter. Just be like, you know, what selection of fish on the menu is wild-caught? And you, there usually is one. But have them ask because, you know. Or if they say none, don't, they order, say none, don't order the fish. You know, don't order the fish. <laughs> yeah. um, but try to go for that wild caught. You're going to be glad you did. I know it's easy just to say, ah, oh, it doesn't matter, farm raised. It's, but believe me, it's, you know, we're making the same problems with our farm raised fish as we did with our farm raised animals. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of stuff that's actually out there when it comes to the, the foods that we are eating. And your book, this book, to me, if I can use a Star Wars analogy, <laughs> the, the, it should have been the prequel to Rich Food, Poor Food, in my opinion, if I, if I, can, be, if I can actually say that. Sure. That's great. <laughs> yeah, because actually it, it just seems like it just fits really uh, good together. And I, when, as I was reading it, I was like, well, wow, I should need I pulled out my copy of Rich Food, Poor Food and started going through. Oh, yeah, I need to get this. I need to get that. So should have been a prequel to um, uh, Rich Food, Poor Food, in my opinion. That's just my two cents. But thank you so much for uh, joining me on the on this interview. And I have no idea why I lost my train of thought, but it happens. I'm not going to edit it out. Brain thoughts. Somebody <laughs> needs micronutrients. Yeah, <laughs> it happens and things happen. But um, I know that until the end of this month, you do have something to still the gifts that are going on um, yeah. along with the book. Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Totally. You're going to put a link below. So you're going to share with them where to go and everything. So they don't have to look up URLs and grab a pen or anything. But the cool thing is if somebody buys a copy of the Micronutrient Miracle, go to Amazon, go to Barnes Noble, go to your local bookstore, wherever you want to buy it, because we are not selling it. You go and grab a copy. You can even grab a Kindle before August 31st. And you send us the receipt. Directions will be in the link. If you send us the receipt, we're going to send you over $200 in coupons, same as cash gift certificates, to be used at five of our favorite online stores. So really, it's like $50 to places like U.S. Wellness Meats. We give you the $50, you go and spend it. $50 a vital choice. $50, same as cash, you go and spend it. There's Thrive Market. There's Casandrinos. So it's really, I mean, isn't it's kind of like the no-brainer. We hope people understand it. <laughs> yeah, it We're is. We're not making anything at these companies. Nothing. They're supporting your right to have good food no matter where you live in the country because they are online companies that will deliver to your house. Yeah, and if, if, if for anybody that's out there looking to change your diet, the, the biggest thing that you're going to obstacle that you're going to encounter is you're going to look at these things and you're going to be like, oh, well, you know what? I'm used to spending this in the grocery store, but now I got to spend this. So it's well worth it to go out and get the book and get the gift certificates <laughs> to be able to shop at these places because you're going to need it. Uh, Jason Amira Calton, the book is The Micronutrient Miracle, and it's available on Amazon and I guess Barnes and Nobles and all those other book book places absolutely yeah. books a million every place yep yeah yep. Cool. you know darren when we did the rich food poor food which you mentioned earlier everybody mm-hmm. said the number one thing people said i want to eat this way i want to try it but it could be expensive that's why we did this we went to these companies so that you have these 200 dollars in gift certificates to help Start unload the burden of the extra cost that was our main goal with this so that you could try these 28 days and really see what becoming micronutrient sufficient can do for your health yeah yeah Thank you so much, guys, for the inner guys and gals for the interview. I really appreciate your time. And again, the book is a micronutrient miracle. Go to your favorite bookstore and you can get it there and be sure to take advantage of this, because if you want to change your eating habits, this is the way to do it because you get the gift certificates and you can use them towards your purchases. Thanks again, Jason and Mira Calton. Thank you, Darren. Thank you so much. Thanks.